It's a PR thing. This is the show where we help you build relationships that build business. We'll give you a better understanding of what PR is today and how you can use it to drive your business in ways you never knew you could. If you're ready to build bigger and better relationship capital, then this is the show for you. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us again on It's a PR Thing. I'm Tanner Sizemore, and I'm your host for this episode. And today we're going to focus on advice for new PR professionals and some of the challenges and hurdles we face as we grow out of being first-year neophytes into becoming experienced professionals. And I posed some of my biggest questions to Steph to see what light she can shed on this topic. All right, Steph. The last time you had me on the podcast, you were interviewing me. Now I've got some questions for you. Tanner, I love this concept. I love it. We should do this more often. Okay, hit me. What you got? My first question is this. As someone who has always viewed himself as a leader and one who takes pride in bringing people together to produce great work, how do you lead from an entry-level position without stepping on anyone's toes or coming across as a know-it-all? You know, Tanner, that's a good question. In fact, that's one that probably needs constant reflection across the career because that's a lifelong challenge, no matter if you're entry-level or the CEO. And I mean, I have to monitor myself based on the person I'm working with. For example, I have some clients that value and want all that I can share, and then I have some that only want a certain threshold. So I just work with them where they are. I do think it behooves all of us to study situational leadership because leadership is more dynamic than leading people. You know, leadership is also about setting a good example, demonstrating good work habits and an exemplary work ethic. It's about being organized and practicing good and respectful time management. It's about watching out for the organization's best interests beyond like divisional fiefdoms and territorial claims. And it's working effectively with people. You know, as new professionals, I know it's rare to have staff supervisor responsibilities at that point, but you do have self-management and project management responsibilities, and those need to be demonstrated consistently. And, you know, as you gain more tenure in your job and more experience, you want to strive to become more proficient. So you do good work consistently, but you also learn to do it quicker and more expertly over time. And that's going to open up more time for you to take on more responsibilities. And that's where your evolving self-management really shows through because it enables you to deal with the growing demands and pressure that come with that added responsibility. The other thing is to always keep a mindset of service. You know, when you offer information or thoughts of how to do something or to make improvements, let it come from that place of serving the organization, you know, your boss or your coworkers, you know, rather than a personal need to be seen as a leader. And I know you do all that. I'm just, when I say you, I'm talking about the general you, you know, again, that's something, you know, that we all need to keep in mind throughout our careers, whether you're one year in or you're 30 years in. One piece of advice you gave me when I first started looking for a full-time job, and that served me extremely well, is to be ask assertive, not tell assertive. Can you explain what that means and how to carry it out? Oh, the good old ask assertive. Well, that, that one comes from the School of Hard Knocks and, and some advice also from a coworker years ago named Dane McCullough. You know, Dane would listen to my frustrations back when I worked in a large global operation and it was a matrixed, you know, type 
culture and I did not feel heard. And, and I knew that what I was advising was good practice, but I felt like I couldn't get the key folks I needed to, to listen to me. And it was a very parental and hierarchical culture. And Dane pointed out a few things that made me realize I was going to have to be patient and earn my service stripes first. And, and as part of that growth, you know, Dane encouraged me to ask questions in meetings and conversations and how to use more of like the Socratic method to get my point across, which turned out to be very effective because it does two things. One, it creates dialogue and two, it creates collaborative decision making. So instead of opining on something or teaching a best practice, I would instead ask questions like, you know, John, I'm sensing you're not too warm on this idea. You know, what's your vision for success with this project? Or, you know, if we do X, how will that affect our goal to achieve Y? Or, so what are your thoughts on doing X, Y, Z? Or maybe it was something like, you know, have you heard of this new approach that's getting good results in Canada? Being asked assertive, you know, it does require you to slow your mind a bit, kind of reel in your own ambitions and, and be deliberative and disciplined in asking questions and listening to the answers and processing them. And, you know, still 20 years after being introduced to the concept of tell assertive versus ask assertive, I do have to remind myself to practice it every day. And some people, they just do this naturally and it's just their personality. And I have to admit, I envy those folks, you know, because someone like myself, I, I take the phrase, share what you know, very literally. And so I have to work on being ask assertive, but it is very effective. And I'm, Tanner, I'm glad to know that you found it to be helpful. That makes my day. In entry-level positions, you're not always given the most important tasks. How do you show your employer or manager your worth and potential through the responsibilities you do have? So essentially, how do you get the opportunity for more responsibilities? So, you know, ask. Let your boss know what type of responsibilities you're interested in taking on. You know, a good supervisor is is going to, one, appreciate that you want to grow with the company. And two, your supervisor is going to either look for opportunities to let you try out those responsibilities on some level, or they're going to tell you what you need to do to get there. In fact, that should be a part of your performance management planning each year. And, you know, where do you want to grow and what do you need to demonstrate to move in that direction? As a supervisor, or I should say rather a supervisor who's not willing to do that is throwing up a red flag that you should not ignore. And that indicates a dysfunctional management style or company culture. And you want to be cognizant of that as you plan your own future. Now, one reason why you stood out so well, even as an intern, was your self-management skills. You were always on time, always hit deadlines. Your critical thinking skills are very advanced. You take feedback very well. Um, you're wonderfully organized. And, and all of that demonstrates a mature, responsible, and capable employee. And I have never had qualms about moving you into something more challenging because, you know, if you don't know something, you have the humility to say so and ask what you need to accomplish that task. And those are all very valuable traits to bring to the job. Now that I'm a couple years into my career, I've encountered a new but fairly common problem, imposter syndrome. I don't necessarily feel like I'm qualified or capable, even though I have the credentials to back it up. You've even said you experience imposter syndrome from time to time, and you have decades of experience, education, and certifications. So how do you deal with that? Tanner, I'm probably going to meander on this one a bit, but 
let me just say that experience will start to quell that imposter syndrome over time. Now, I'm very comfortable in my lane, but I also know when to defer to others' lanes as well. For example, I work with a lot of attorneys, especially in issue management, and I know there's a lot I don't know when it comes to the law. So I strive to tap into their knowledge, and frankly, being asked assertive really helps with that. And I have no problem about being authentic that I don't know something because I love to learn and I'm always appreciative of learning new information. And I know I know my field, but it's just one piece of the larger operational puzzle and I submit to that. For example, you know, if I'm going to work on something new, uh, rather in a new industry or, or a new issue that I'm not deep in, I set up an educational meeting and I let the client, or if I'm, you know, when I was on the client side, I would let, you know, leadership or my peers or whoever teach me. You know, I reach out regularly for clarification and correction as I'm working on things. And I ask for time to pass things, you know, past clients and so forth, you know, to get initial input or reactions. And I have to give my parents a lot of credit for being willing to take risk. You know, my, my dad was a disciplined military veteran and he taught us, especially as girls, to be self-sufficient. And he engaged us in conversations that made us think, and he would challenge us and, and make us work, you know, through our thoughts to articulate ourselves. So my sister and I naturally grew up without being intimidated to jump into new things or, or learn new things, ask questions and speak our minds. You know, my mom also, she was the original business startup queen before startups were even a thing. So she was a successful risk taker and I think we learned from watching her that there's reward and risk. There's value in pushing forth into uncharted territory, even if you don't have all the answers or all the skills. You know, she demonstrated that you learn along the way. And as you grow in experience, you also grow in giving back to your passion. And yes, I do still struggle with imposter syndrome sometimes. You know, starting this podcast was a perfect example. I have never been a broadcast professional, and I'm not now, but, you know, I did see it as a service and just jumped into it. And as you know, we learn with every episode and we just keep applying that, the, any success lessons and lessons of failure, you know what I mean? And we just keep going from there. Steph, something you do so well is empower people. So when people find themselves ascending in their companies and careers, how can they empower their coworkers who find themselves in entry-level positions? Well, Tanner, thank you. I, I do treasure that as a compliment because I've worked with micromanagers in the past and I know how stifling that can be. As a short note, I again credit my mom and dad for raising me in the way that they did that was empowering. Although I did have a very strict dad and there were definitely guardrails to keep us on the straight path, I will say that. But to your question specifically, I would say collaboration and inclusion are the best ways to empower your whole team. For example, if someone goes to a professional development conference or webinar, I like to have that person come back and do a presentation on what they learned and how we could apply it in our organization. I think that's a great way to not only get the most value from the investment, actually expand the learning across the team, but also gives us new information that's coming from someone with an insider perspective of our company. And I also like to ensure roles and responsibilities are very defined. You know, what many people don't realize is that conflict in organizations does not primarily arise from personality conflicts. That's an easy excuse. Most conflict in organizations comes from role ambiguity and role encroachment. And as a supervisor, 
it's real important to make sure everyone on the team is very clear on who does what and that the supervisor supports each of those folks in that role and those responsibilities. But if you're an entry-level role, you know, you could, just as an example, develop a RACI diagram for your projects, you know, where each task is clearly assigned to the appropriate person and, you know, they're your checkpoint for progress on those tasks. You know, they're, that's empowering because you know who your point person is and you also respect that person's lane and knowledge to get the job done. And again, be ask assertive. That sets up the opportunity for productive dialogue and for people to be heard. And it sets the tone again for collaborative decision-making. And finally, give credit where credit is due. I mean, there's few things I feel are slimier in the workplace than to steal glory or to completely dismiss or disregard someone's contribution to the success. I mean, tribalism and hierarchy are toxic in that regard. And we all have to set an example of giving credit where credit is due. Well, Tanner, thanks for having me on the show today. I really enjoyed this and you gave me some stumpers too. That one on imposter syndrome really, really made me have to process and think on that one. So, and I like this concept. In fact, I would like a future episode where you just talk about your first three years in PR and you know, and what you've learned and what's that, that's been like. And I know we covered that before, but I think you could get a lot more in depth. So Again, I would love that episode. Put that on your task list, okay? You got it, Steph. Thank you for the kind words and for giving me the opportunity to lead the podcast today. I couldn't make it easy on you. In all seriousness, you've helped me tremendously throughout the start of my career, and I hope others can get the same value out of your advice that I have. Well, that's our show for today, all. Thanks for joining us here on It's a PR Thing. Please go out and make it a great day.